Welcome everybody. This is Genesis number 29 today. So let's get right into it. As always, I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is not about us. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm uh, going to get right into it. I've got lots to talk about, and it's, um, well, I feel kind of weird about this one. I've got a lot and not very much to talk about at the same time. You'll understand what I mean in a minute here. Uh, but as always, we want to start things off on the right foot, get things going in the right direction. So, Brad, could you please invite the Holy Spirit to come in and do her will in this podcast today? Absolutely. Yahweh, Yeshua, Spirit, this is the day that you have created, and we will rejoice and be joyful in it. But even more, we're joyful because once again, we're coming here, we're sitting down to do another podcast, really looking into Genesis, really looking into our relationship with you, really looking into what can we do for you to give you honor, respect, glory. We love you. We cherish you. We're excited. But as always, we cannot do this without you. So Spirit, will you be here with us and guide us? Will you get rid of any thought that is not from you before it's even spoken? But the things that you want us to know, Scott and I right here, right now, and the things that you want our listeners to know, and maybe even some listener 30 years down the road, whatever it is that they need, will you help us? Will you help us give it to them? Less of us and more of you. We love you. We cherish you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Brad. And, uh, uh, I just want to tell everyone that's it's it's really special to me because um, as of this or as of right now and it is March fifth. Does that sound right? You got it. Yes, March fifth. <laughs> I lose track of days so easily. It's March fifth, two thousand twenty-one. As we're recording this, and I am re-listening to old podcasts uh, as I do from time to time uh, to try to refresh my memory, see where we were, and. It helps me in these studies to connect things that I'm in at the moment that I that have uh, something to do with something we've already gone over in the past, that kind of thing. But one of the cool things as I do that is each time, Brad, uh, as I'm going over these Genesis studies, uh, I hear your prayer, and it's hitting me at that moment. Even though we recorded them months ago, we're recording this one right now, March 5th, and you just said, Maybe someone 30 years down the road is going to hear this. <laughs> I just, I, it's been hitting me every time I feel like the prayer is for that moment in my life, whenever that is. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Prayer, that's what prayer should be. So yeah, it's always the conversation, but it, it can, the conversation can impact you now, later, and it can even impact, impact you in the past because that's the way God works. <laughs> but that's right. Let's do this. <laughs> Now, a couple things I want to 
kind of start off on a slightly different note here. First of all, we've just pretty much wrapped up Genesis 5. Uh, I'm going to end with Genesis 5 today. We're going to wrap up the, the last verse here. But a couple things I want to mention. On our last podcast, uh, we mentioned, we asked the question, isn't this the only time where lineages are mentioned and we have this this uh, these dates, not dates, but uh, these timelines. They're ages, ages and numbers. And... Yes, these years. I did find out that it happens again in Genesis 11. Okay. So uh, this is not the only time. So now I'm going to be interested. Uh, Genesis 11, to, to get there, is probably going to be about another year and a half at the rate <laughs> we're going, but that's okay. But Genesis 11 goes from Shem to Abraham. And it does the same thing with the lineages, gives their the years, how long they lived, that kind of thing. Uh, so Genesis 5 isn't the only time it happens. Uh, I just want to make that clear. We did ask that question last time in our last podcast. Uh, so I wanted to throw that out there that I had found out. No, not the only time. It is interesting that it's only in Genesis, though, because mm-hmm. I was trying to think of you know, this lineage and when it's mentioned later and kings came to me chronicles came to me uh the lineage up to uh jesus in the early uh early gospels but yeah none of them none of them do it and it's just Mm -hmm. it is kind of interesting so it does make you wonder uh why is that but continue right and and i think why uh wasn't answered completely but i think we successfully delved a little bit into it with the last podcast, uh, so that was pretty cool. But uh, another thing I want to mention before going on is a cool thing about re-reviewing old podcasts. Uh, Brad, this one keeps coming up, and the cool thing about this, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something we mentioned in podcast nine, in Genesis podcast nine, and the cool thing was. We've re-mentioned this podcast again in earlier podcasts, as I found out. And this has particular special meaning for me because in podcast nine, we're talking about a tree. And I mentioned in that podcast uh, that, well, I wish I'd come up with the Hebraic root word for tree in that time. I didn't go into it. It didn't interest me in that particular podcast. I had other things in mind. And so while we're doing it, you can go back and listen, Genesis number nine. You went, hey, while we're here, I looked it up just now, and we came up with a, a bunch of new stuff during that podcast. Well, that very podcast. Again, I re-listened to this months ago, and then, I don't know, podcast number 15, 16, 17, something in Genesis, came back to this one and went, hey, I was re-listening to this, thought of something else, and now I'm doing it again. And the cool thing about it to me is because I didn't come up with this. I did not prepare this at all. You just threw it in, in the middle of, of the Genesis podcast, and it keeps coming back. And <laughs> I just, I love that because it's just an emphasis on me that this isn't for, this isn't from me, it isn't for me. Well, okay, it is for me just like it's for everyone else. It's for me too. Oh, absolutely. But this isn't my baby. Uh, and I, I just, God, I thank you 
And, and, and another really cool thing about it is the meaning of it today. We've just been going over all of Genesis 5 and how it is, it is referring to grace. And this is the plan in the names of the people, in the years of their lives. There, there is just reinforced that salvation message was always there. This, the plan of God, the grace of God for us, something completely undeserved. It's a gift of love given to us was all throughout Genesis 5 and in those names and in those lineages and in those years. And it just happened to be as we're wrapping that up that I'm re-listening to this. And once again, it just occurs to me in tree, the Hebrew word was pronounced eights, that among the definitions, what that means was carpenter and gallows. And earlier, in an earlier podcast, we had been talking about there were only trees in the garden. And that was uh, a picture of grace. Because man, Adam, and, and Eve, when, when they were split, didn't have to work. Everything was just given to them. They didn't earn a thing because of God's love. Everything was just provided. And here we have in Genesis 5, in this lineage, God's entire plan of salvation is just provided. It is all God's doing. And we mentioned at one point how the ownership of the covenant was Yahweh's. It is His to see this thing through. It is not working on our strength, but His. Everything that's been going on from the beginning of time until now and beyond is Yahweh's to uphold. The the universe is upheld by His word, not by ours. And what I saw was this, again, coming back to the tree, the carpenter and the gallows. It was all given through grace. Just this reinforcement of grace. Everything in the garden was a tree. And in the garden, we had the tree of life. The carpenter, you can say, building, producing, and we had the tree of the fruit with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was the gallows. That was, that was what caused us death. But both of those and every tree in the garden was grace. And, and the plan of salvation is grace. And it kept coming back to, you're kicked out of the garden. Now you have to till the field. Now you have to work. Now you have to labor. But within the garden, everything was grace. I'm just seeing, standing in the middle of the garden, this is the picture that's in my head, standing in the middle of the garden, surrounded by trees. Well, if that tree means carpenter, or it mean, which would mean Jesus, mm-hmm. you're literally just surrounded by Jesus. Yeah. Just that thought by itself. And of course that means you're surrounded by grace. Of course that means you're protected from anything. But just the thought of everywhere you look, you see Jesus. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a really cool picture. I like that. Yeah, and that was that was why I was I was connecting it back to what we were just doing in Genesis five and how 
every lineage and every name and everything seems to be a different aspect of Jesus. And I thought of in the garden, every tree being a different piece of Jesus and a different aspect of grace. And, and I'm not saying this is, this is exactly 100% truth, but it's mentioned that it's almost like Eve is seeing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil like for the first time. She's like, oh, you're right. It does. This fruit is good. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are completely surrounded by Jesus, that, that helps me understand why she wouldn't want to look at that. If, if everything around you is yeah. grace and beautiful and wonderful, but uh-huh. there's one sour spot, we're not, we're, we're not going to give that our attention. We're not going to give that our focus. We're going to focus on the beautiful. Right. Yeah. Because we did mention that before, how you know Eve sees the tree, and we kind of mentioned, did she actually see it for the first time, or was she just kind of fully acknowledging it? Not really. She hadn't really thought about it before. She'd seen it. And that gives a little bit more... She didn't. She yeah. I I personally I personally once again my thoughts. I personally believe she she was fully aware that the tree was there. She yeah. You know you walk the paths from wherever you're going from place to place, and you know it's there, but sometimes you just stop and you really take something in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what she was doing in that moment. But it helps me go well. There would be no reason to stop and take it in until it was mentioned because it was it was. It was a sour spot and surrounded by a sea of beautiful things. Right. You know. Anyway, that's just my unfiltered thoughts right now. No, and something else uh, hit me as I was going over these is is in a then in a further podcast I talk about how God kicks them out and He puts a sword or a flaming sword or a flaming sharp object at the east of the garden, and we we talk about why east? Why doesn't God just you know, why couldn't man enter from another direction? And we talk about the garden uh, being a, a separated area, a fenced-in area. It was protected. And as I'm going over that, as I'm re-listening to that one, it, it occurs to me, again, going back to the garden was grace. Um, I never really thought about this before, but was the rest of the world already cursed? And the reason I mention that is because we've talked about the possibility of Satan. Satan already having fallen mm-hmm. by this time. So Satan exists on the earth. And Adam is in a fenced-in spot. He's locked into the garden. Now, this wasn't to trap him. This was to protect him. And we've talked about, uh, we brought up the analogy of you know the, the Torah being the fence. And the prophet's job was to say, everyone, stay in the fence. And if you're out of the fence, get back in the fence. And if you're outside the fence, this will be what happens to you. And it ain't pretty. It ain't good. You've got to get back into the fence. Was Adam just in that fence, in the garden? Because we kind of see it, at least, I don't know if you, the, the listener, I don't know if you do, but I thought of the garden growing up as just this beautiful lush area, and he could leave the garden freely go out into the world and do and come back. And I thought of the whole earth as being just all of God's and it was uncorrupted by sin. But we've all, we also talked about in another podcast how God was, he commanded Adam to conquer and, to, and, and he gave Adam dominion. And, and we talked about these violent images and why we even brought up the question, why would God be saying this? 
if Adam was gonna live peacefully in the garden all of his life and with not a care in the world, did the earth already have corruption and, and because of Satan, because of Lucifer, outside the protection of the garden, was it already suffering? And did Adam know that? And so to be kicked out of the garden, this was a horrible, this was a thing that he already knew would be bad. Does, does that make sense? It makes total sense. And it's actually making me wonder about some things. Um, I've read some books and, and I know you've read uh, some of these same books. I have too. read some books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they talk about um, the Nephilim and, and kind of how Satan, that's Satan's like, bastardized version of creation like he mm -hmm. he wants to do something he wants he wants to be god so he does the things that god does but as always he's incapable of being god so he does it very poorly so god created this beautiful create uh, this beautiful garden so in the rest of the world satan already fallen is he trying to do the same thing but of course he can't do it mm -hmm. And it's just this, the, so the earth is cursed now. It's just a bastardized version of, of what God was doing. And that makes me wonder if he's also, well, if God can create man, I want to try to create my version of, of man. And is that where we get these, these Nephilim and these other kind of things? That um, could very well be. And we're, we're going to start to get into that very topic here. So I mean, up. He yeah. could, it could be already, the, 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 the thing is though, Satan himself can't create anything. Right. So he still needed, he still needed a source to, to help him with this. So, uh, and, but we'll get to that later, right. but God but just, creates, he twists. Yeah. So it just makes me wonder if he's at least attempting, you know, he's got a creation out here in the, in the, in the world and outside of the garden, and he's already starting to try to manipulate it and do to it what he mm -hmm. Yeah. What he can. Mm -hmm. I mean, hard to say, but. Right. So anyway, we'll go on from there. These are just some of the cool things I get from going back and re-listening and now connecting with what we were going on with in Genesis is uh, that's one of the reasons why I do it. I go back and I re-listen to say, hey, I had forgotten about this, but now it's making sense to what we did down the line over here. And that's, and the reason I'm saying this is to encourage you guys who are listening, never forget the Bible was always, the Word of God was always intended to be taken in its fullness, unique and, and, and complete all together. We separate it into little fragments to make it easier to understand one little piece at a time, but those pieces were never meant to be separated from the whole. Uh, so as you gather more pieces, I encourage you, go back and see how the whole starts to come together. Uh, we'll do this from time to time like we did here, uh, go back into pieces and, and bring it back together. But right now I'm going to finish Genesis 5:32, And Noach was 500 years old, and Noach begat, and the King James Version says, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, we're going to get into the Hebraic pronunciations here in a second, but... I just want to point out, we've gotten all the way from Adam to Noach, Adam to Noach. And it just, this is the very last line of Genesis 5. He says, and Noach begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So they're included in this Genesis 5 
uh, connection. We don't have any numbers about them. We don't have any other information about them, but they are the bookends. They're what wraps this up. And so they're important to this whole story of Jesus and his plan of salvation and all that about him. But at the same time, it's like this piece is done and they're starting a new chapter in the history of the earth. So I start. I, I looked into. I was looking at it from both of those perspectives. Now Shem, Strong's Concordance, number eighty thirty-five, and his name is pronounced shame. Hmm. Now eighty thirty-five basically just says he's a son of Noah, but the name comes from. Eighty thirty four also pronounced shame, and the meaning of that is an appellation, a mark or a memorial of individuality. By implication, it means honor, it means authority, it means character. So shame, which is interesting, ironic, given the English meaning of the word shame, that this means honor. And, and it's, it's a mark or a memorial of the individual basically having honor and authority and succeeding. Now, Ham, I'm just going to do all of these three real quick and I'm going to kind of wrap them, bring them in together. Ham is Strong's Concordance, number 2526, and it is pronounced calm. And again, the description is a son of Noah. But it comes from two, uh, 20, Strong's Concordance 2526, calm, comes from 2525 of the same pronunciation, calm. But it means hot or warm. And right before we were recording this, uh, Brad can tell you, I'm, we're in his house and I just walked here and it's, and it's cool, but uh, because I walked uh, a distance, I was sweating. And I walk into his house and the heat wasn't really on because it's getting warmer. It's that time of year where it's starting to get warmer. But because I had this sweat all on my back, I was freezing. I was chilly. And so he turned the heat up and right as I'm walking up, literally, right as I'm walking up to do this, I said, oh, I'm feeling warm. That is so wonderful. And I stopped knowing where I was going with this because I had had some question about this, this calm and hot and warm and what it means. And, and it just made it very personal to me. And I, cause I had been reading, uh, where else this word has been used and what it, what it stands for and what it means. And they were talking about, cause you think of hot, like my first thought was, this is the hellfire. This is you're being burned, you're being scorched. Right. But but the context and the usage was like fresh, warm bread. And that was a wonderful thing. That was, you know, and 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 clothes that have been warmed in the sun and now put them on and they feel delightful. You know, when you're chilly and that kind of thing. And I did that. I'm walking up to record just literally a few minutes ago to record the podcast we're doing now and Brad can testify I went oh that feels warm and wonderful and I just froze in my own brain and went oh my gosh I get it I get this heat this warmth this this warm sensation 
And now I'm going to do the last one. It's a warmth without harshness, which is kind of what I think of um, when they talk about being bathed in a light, like like sunlight. Well, that if you if you ever just stand out with the sun beating down on you, that's that's hot. It's mm-hmm. it can be oppressive, but it's it as, as it's been described to me, it's warmth without the harshness. Yeah, and that's a it's it's an interesting thought. Um, God is a burning bush, but the bush doesn't burn up. It's warm, it's actually giving it life. Yeah, but it's without the harshness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't know. Is that, that that's no. that's interesting? And yes, I can Very testify. Very glad you said that because it's exactly where I'm going with it. Oh, cool. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> but, but but like I said, just right before this, it made it personal to me. I yeah. was like, oh, I get it. There it is. There's the, oh, those snuggly warmth. Oh, I missed you. It was one of those moments where I was like, you just, you, you immediately said, oh, I'll talk about it like in a moment. But I'm like, well, you can just tell me now. <laughs> but, but you're right. No, it makes, it makes, it, it does make it better when it's in the podcast. And, and I can testify that did happen. Now, Japheth, Strong's Concordance. I found this one interesting because uh, the other two had like Strong's Concordance 25, 26, came from 2525 right before it and they were essentially exactly the same word this one is strong's concordance 3315 and the hebraic pronunciation if i'm getting this right is yefeth hmm. now it comes from 6601 pa which was weird. I was like, why, why are you so far separated from this one? Everyone else was basically, it's the same word. It's just, we recognize that there's the meaning of the word itself. And there's the fact that this word also stands for someone who is named, you know, one of Noah's sons. And again, in this one, 3315, the definition is a son of Noah, but also it gives a definition of expansion. Now, it comes from 6601, Patha, which means to open, in other words, to be roomy. Now, it's usually figuratively, as in a mental or moral sense. But I want to connect all of these right here. When we finished our last podcast with Noah being rest, meaning rest, and, and we'd seen the whole path of Yeshua coming as a child, giving his life on the cross, being resurrecting, conquering, being returning as the conquering king, and this whole the whole plan of salvation ending with rest. Well, now what do we have? We're in heaven. We're in eternity. And we've got rooms. We've got we've got it's expansion. It's room. We've got we've got warmth. We've got comfort. We've got uh, uh, I'm going back to the first one. Uh, mark or memorial by implication, honor, authority. Not only have we been made kings and priests, and and we individually have received honor and authority, and received warmth and comfort, and received this this in my mansion. In my house, there are many mansions. There are many rooms that I have prepared for you, this roominess. But all of these also testify, again, wrapping up who Jesus is. Yeshua, 
is our warmth. He's the one who has all honor and authority. He is the one. Uh, he's the owner of the mansion. He's the one with the rooms, with, with the expanse. And it just kind of, to me, wrapped up this whole, uh, it, it's, it's we're done. And it ends by saying, with rest, with Noah, here's his three sons. There, now we finalized it. That's really cool. That's really cool. But, but, the story on earth goes on. And Shem, Ham, and Japheth, or Shem, Kam, and Yepheth, uh, they are going to continue. We're going to get into that later. We're going to talk about Noah and the flood. We're going to talk about, you know, continuing on. So be essentially from that point on, uh, they continue the story. So there's also, as I got into the word pictures here of each of their names, with shame, these are, again, some possible interpretations. The things that jumped out at me was destroy chaos, consume water. And it can stand for a stream from the mountain peak. And I thought about this as marching forward, moving on. Uh, consume water, consume the life of Jesus, destroy chaos, the stream from the mountain peak being, you know, the river of life flowing out. And, but it's starting from the mountain and it's moving onward. I kind of saw this as, as we're going to take the story we've just been given. We're going to march forward. Now from Ham, what jumped out at me right off the bat, because I try to go with just what I see, not just say, I want to interpret it a certain way. Uh, now I realize I'm always biased by, by my own mind, by my own past, my, all, all my experiences, but I try to just to go with the first thing that jumps out at me. And what I was seeing with, with calm was protect chaos, separated from water. Uh, now I did see in here a massive inner room is one of the interpretations, which that kind of led me to the whole you know, being in God and all that kind of thing. But, but why was, as I was thinking about it, why was protect chaos and separated from water connected with calm for me? But I, I, that was what was jumping out at me. And I was trying to find other things, but I realized it was like, no, I, I was, and I could find other things as we all can. But that's what was grabbing me from this. And anything else felt like a rewrite, felt like me forcing the issue. And as I thought about it, I'm skipping ahead in the story here, skipping way ahead. But at the end of the flood, Ham is cursed. Ham is cursed. And um, some of the stuff that I've read suggests that uh, he was very much like uh, Cain in a way. He was, he was min the, Satan manipulated him mm -hmm. and... From that line, we get we Babylon. Get, yeah, we get we get the certain people groups because it's interesting that mm -hmm. um, we all come from Adam, but technically, I mean, because Adam to Noah, but technically after the flood, mm -hmm. we all come from one of 
uh, Noah's children. Yes. And there are people who have done research to try to sh try to suggest that certain people groups are from one of of his offspring. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I go that in depth with it, but there w there was still even after the flood there was still uh, a thread of a cursed people mm -hmm. going through all of all of our history. So yeah. it, it is it is is interesting that that's what you're also seeing in the word picture. Um, but once again, God can bring good from bad, as we saw yeah. in your previous, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's interesting. Now, uh, um, kind of getting off on a slight tangent here, but I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, you know, researchers have gone back and tried to connect us and that kind of thing. I did see, as many of you have probably seen, a few years ago, geneticists uh, felt that they could bring us all back to one one person. Uh, they could they could retrace all of our genetic codes and go back and show we all came from one woman. And they were saying, is that Eve? And my thought was, no, that's Noah's wife. Right. You know, because people, what people forget is, yeah, we started with Eve, but then there was this flood situation and only Noah and his family got through. That's the woman, you know, that these geneticists are connecting us back to and they don't know it. Or maybe some of them do. I don't know about that. Well, what's crazy is just the whole, I know we're, we're going to get there in future podcasts, but the whole flood story has more evidence to it mm -hmm. than any other, uh, even, even if you just don't even look at the Bible, but you look at other cultures and, and their myths and their legends and things like that, there's so much evidence to suggest, yes, this flood happened mm -hmm. and people were aware of it. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it, it is absolutely fascinating. We treat it as a, we treat it as a fun nursery story tell uh, a story that we tell our kids, you know, the whole arc situation and whatnot. But there is actually way more evidence to suggest that, yes, this is real. It happened exactly the way the Bible says. Um, they've done research to show that the ark was capable of holding. We, we when we, when we tell the nursery story, we picture this little boat with mm -hmm. these, you know, just a few animals peeking out and whatnot. No, this, the ark was massive. Mm -hmm. It was able to hold, you know, um, sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent. But I just, <laughs> I, I the, this is one thing that I am. This is the fun part about these. <laughs> I know. But Go that's, off. That's one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about is I, I see more. We, we, have, we have evidence right here on the earth that people want, they, they try to manipulate as much as possible because they got to give more time uh, to their theory of evolution. So these gorges that they talk about happening millions and millions, sometimes now billions of years ago. No, it actually makes way more sense that it happened very quickly in a short period of time. And there's, the, I, I, people, mm -hmm. Google. <laughs> Google, yeah. go to YouTube, find videos. It is absolutely fascinating. And uh, there's even even a suggestion that they may have found the Ark, which is not yeah. the, not the ark of the covenant but the noah's ark but uh which is also fascinating if true but anyway mm -hmm. i'll let you get back on it that's just something i'm passionate about and i'm no thank you for that uh, me too me too but you're right in these studies we try to keep it you know like i'm trying to do one verse at a time not get ahead of myself cuz i i i find myself as I'm studying these things, you know, doing things like, oh, I can't wait till we're at the story of Joseph. Oh, I can't wait till we're at the Exodus. Oh, I can't wait till we're at David and Goliath and go into things like that. 
but um, I got to keep it focused here. This is what we're doing yep. one at a time. Yep. Uh, but at times we are going to have to mention how it connects to other things. And, and so I'm not going to stop you, uh, Brad. Absolutely. Go off on a tangent. <laughs> but this last one, uh, Yefeth, the word picture here. Uh, one of the things I saw were the works and speech of the covenant. And again, I just saw it as testifying. This is the work. This is the word. The covenant is moving forward. Uh, uh, God's got us. He's working it. He's speaking it. He's confirming it. Uh, it's not in our power. It's his. Absolutely. So now kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to get into a lot and very little. Genesis 6, 1 and 2. This is going to open a flood, pun intended, <laughs> uh, of just craziness here for a while. And we're just, I'm just going to let it go. We're going to have, this is, this is almost going to become just another conversation piece here. Because Brad, I'm going to ask you to jump in, give your thoughts. I'm going to I'm going to dig into some other thoughts from other people here, but we're going to talk. Well, let me read this and we'll go on here. Let me, let me set the stage here. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives, whomsoever they chose. Now first, first off, before I get too deep, uh, it's important to note there's no timestamp on this. Yeah, that was the first thing I just noticed was, once again, it's kind of a, and it came to be, but that doesn't mm -hmm. tell us. Now, how. it does give us some generalizations. We know this happened before Noah and the Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know it happened after Adam, but all it says is when men began to multiply. So what is that? What year is that? What what year of Adam's life? What year of, of you know, who's, at what time did this happen? It doesn't say. We don't know exactly when it began. That's the only clue we have. When man began to multiply. So when was that? You know, we don't know. Now, there is debate as to who is referred to with the passage, the sons of Elohim. Some believe that these are men of high rank or princes uh, of mankind who then degraded themselves. Some believe that the sons of Elohim were of Seth's uh, godly line, and the daughters of men were of Cain's line, Cain's line, who had walked away from God. And God was trying to, wanted them to stay separate. But uh, Seth's line disobeyed and intermingled because they saw they were beautiful and lusted and wanted them. And some believe that the sons of Elohim refers to angelic beings. Uh in other books, specifically, these are called watchers, but the Bible does not name them that here. Just says sons of Elohim, if if indeed they are angelic beings. Now we're gonna 
kind of get into this and from here on out I'm gonna give a few uh, meanings of words and things like that but there's confusion even in that as we're gonna see here shortly and there's conflict there um, so let me start with that first of all I went to Strong's Concordance to look up sons so I wanted to see son what does a son mean uh, the sons of Elohim can I pull anything from that and guess what it limits sons to the appendix and I couldn't figure out why it's like why are sons limited to the appendix so I went to other sources and uh, biblehub.com says that it is uh, the word here lines up with Strong's Concordance 1121 Bane and it means the definition is a son as a builder of the family name it in the widest sense of relationships literal and figurative relationships so it means son it can literally mean the son of my loins uh, you know uh, I got together with my wife we produced a child that is my son it can mean that but it can also mean just a figurative sense it can mean a subject uh, it can mean a nation, it can mean a quality or condition, and there are various other meanings such as anointed one, a mighty one, a worthy one. Uh, and daughter is a possible variant of this word. However, I've also found out there is a feminization of this word uh, that usually means daughter, but this word by itself can possibly mean daughter. Now that is interesting. In the English, did you say it was Bane? Bane, yeah. It would be pronounced as if it were spelled B-A-N-E, Bane. So like the bane of my existence. Exactly, the, yeah. There's... The, the bane of, so the, <laughs> the bane of God, yeah. of Elohim, that's, that seems interesting in English. Now, it comes from, according uh, to Strong's Concordance, 1121 comes from 1129, Ba-Na, which means to build, either literally or figuratively, which it can also mean to obtain children. Uh, it can also mean to repair. So that's where the word comes from. Now, uh, I looked into the original Hebrew and this phrase right here, sons of Elohim, is bene ha Elohim. Now, so it adds right there, it adds yod. It's, it's bain is beit nun, but this bene ha Elohim adds a yod to it. So bet and nun, house of the seed or house of the descendant, or house of the heir to the throne. That makes sense why it would be son. That, yeah. That's a one. It's a great picture for son. Yeah. And since that's what bane, that's that's a word for son, I stopped there. You can go on by adding yod and, and, and get more to it, which you should. I mean, it's this, the whole Bible, you can do that, you know. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's cool. I just... If we go down that road, and you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be on this all day long and, and further. So I'm going to move on for now. Bible Hub is one that I also use in Revelation. So mm -hmm. I recommend bookmarking that one, guys. Now, daughter, I looked up. 
in Strong's Concordance. And according to Strong's Concordance, it said it's 1121, which is the word we just gave for son. Now, I went to BibleHub.com to see what did they say about this. And they said that the word for daughter is actually Strong's Concordance 1323, bath. Which I also found interesting given the Hebrew, uh, the English meaning yeah. of bath. Yeah. That daughter meant bath. But it says that that is the feminization of 1121, which means son. But, oh, and bath can also mean, it means a daughter, but it also can mean the apple of my eye, which I found interesting too. Because the apple of my eye, and this could be a whole other thing, is actually, that's an idiom we get from the Bible, and it's uh, King David, uh, one of the Psalms, talking about the apple of my eye. Yeah. Uh, it's where we get it. But here, the very word for daughter means, also means apple of my eye. Which makes you wonder how ancient that phrase is then. Mm -hmm. Or is it just a popular... Yeah. Huh. So that's pretty cool. In and, so that's why I threw it out there. Because in and of itself, that's pretty neat. But I'm not going to go any deeper with that right now. Because I'm, I'm figuring the rest of this out. Now the word picture for 1323, Beit and Tav, uh, Bath... Um, now, Beit is house, and Tav is mark, sign, covenant. Uh, again, it can mean cross. So this can mean house of the covenant. The daughter could be the house, house of the cross. Uh, the house of the seal, joining two things together. Uh, so that was pretty cool, too. But, but according to Bible Hub, it said the Hebrew for daughter... Uh, Okay, let me take this back. This phrase, daughters of men. We had sons of Elohim and daughters of men. And the Hebrew for that was uh, Benoit Ha-Adam. Benoit Ha-Adam. And again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I don't know that I am. Now, that seems to be more closely in line with Bene, that we'd had sons of sons of Elohim, Bene. This is Benoit. Uh, so, so it appeared there was even controversy as to where these words come from, and the Strong's Strong's Concordance itself was sort of like, uh, uh, I'm not sure what we're getting this, which kind of flowed to me with with what we're going to be talking about here and the, the controversy around what who the sons of Elohim actually were. Uh, but it was like, it was like that was, that whole controversy was being wrapped up right here too. And that these people couldn't determine where these words actually came from. Now they know the actual Hebrew, uh, the actual uh, original Hebrew, Bene uh, Ha Elohim and Benoit Ha Adam. And for those of you who remember, Adam is man, so that's what they're getting. Benoit ha Adam, the daughters of man. Um, Bene ha Elohim, sons of God. Sons of gods, literally, sons of Elohim. So before I move on at all, 
Brad, anything you want to pull out of that mess. <laughs> oh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I don't, I don't have much. I, I'm just, I'm just as confused. Um, I find it interesting that it's sons of Elohim, but the daughters of men. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I just, the Bible uses these terms frequently um, and possibly for different reasons. Jesus himself said he was the son of man. Mm-hmm. But he's also the he's also God's son. Like right. I don't know. I don't know. I right off the bat, my candid thoughts. I guess I don't have much right now. So I want to get into where these all come from. What the the different variants, the the different beliefs. So we're gonna get into some of the reasons for these variations, and so just. Uh, as I've already said, just kind of a warning, this is going to turn into a little bit more of a conversation. I'm going to throw pieces of evidence and stuff out here for you, but uh, Brad, please feel free to jump in at any time. This is going to begin uh, a segment in a series through Genesis 6 where we don't necessarily have a lot of answers. What I'm going to try to do is point out what Genesis 6 and, and, and the whole Bible uh, as we go on specifically does say and where it does not, what we can legitimately uh, come to, if not conclusions, what we can generally point towards as being accurate and what we can try to eliminate as being completely false uh, to the best of our ability. My two cents on that is some of the stuff coming up is super interesting to me. And I would love it if people had their own studies or thoughts or if they wanted to share that with us because um, this is something that's super fascinating to me but yeah I can't lock it down and say I know exactly what's going on mm -hmm. uh, so if people have their own ideas oh I would love it if they shared it now one thing I want to point out Matthew twenty four thirty seven says but as the days of Noah were so shall the coming of the son of man be and that's one of the reasons there's a lot of interest in the days of Noah, because what does that mean? What did, what did Jesus mean when he said, uh, the, when the Son of Man returns, when he returns, uh, the times are going to be just like the days of Noah? So what, what, what were the days of Noah like? What does that specify? Now, we said earlier that uh, some believe that the sons of Elohim were of Seth's line, the daughters of men were of Cain's line, Cain's line, and they began to intermingle. This idea first began around the 6th century. Before that, it was pretty much believed by everybody that the sons of Elohim were angelic beings of some kind. It the, the reason, it, it appears that the main reason that they stopped thinking that or certain people started to get off of that was because uh, different, different people didn't want to believe in a devil or they did not want to believe. They believed in God, 
but they didn't want to believe in angels and demons, and they, they didn't want to personify evil in that way. And so they, they thought, well, then, if it doesn't mean that, then what else could it mean? Uh, I'm going to quote here from uh, Dr. Chuck Missler explaining the origin of the Sethite theory. Uh, and he says, uh, It was in the 5th century AD that the angel interpretation of Genesis 6 was increasingly viewed as an embarrassment when attacked by critics. Furthermore, the worship of angels had begun within the church. Also, celibacy had also become an institution of the church. So the angel view of Genesis 6 was feared as impacting these views. Unquote. So that in and of itself, and I'll tell you right off the bat, I do believe that they were, at this point, I believe that they were angelic beings, uh, uh, supernatural anyway, fallen angels, what have you. Uh, and it's, this is not a human thing. But again, I don't absolutely know, as in I was there watching it happen, uh, just like all of us. But this is one of the arguments that I see. It was pretty much just a given. And we didn't have scientific evidence. We didn't have revelation from God. We didn't have a holy, you know, uh, the hand of God come down and say, this is what I meant. We have some people who are just wanting it to be different. Uh, they were, as he says there, they were embarrassed uh, and so they said, well, we don't like that feeling, let's change it. And when something is born of that type of reasoning, I tend to automatically disregard it. What do you think, Brad? No, absolutely. I'm in agreement with that. And they should be embarrassed if, if they're worshiping angels. Mm -hmm. um, all, of our, all, all of our examples in Scripture, um, I can think of two of them right now for sure, but when they meet an angel and they, uh, and God comes in many forms, sometimes the angel is actually God that is mentioned, but sometimes it actually is just one of his messengers, uh, one of the angels, and people will try to bow down to them and worship. And every single time that that happens, they'll say, no, no, don't worship me. Worship God. Mm -hmm. You know, Scripture very clearly says, we're not we're not to worship <laughs> the angels so that yeah it, that philosophy right there kind of uh, kind of annoyed me but um but no it's it's true if if people want something to be and, and and it's not if the truth is it's just not that then i'm sorry i can't be on board with with your wants i have to stick with what i know to be truth right now that that in and of itself doesn't prove that the sons of Elohim are angelic beings, but it's just showing that the, the real case for making them men is just, um, we want it to be that way. Yeah. So we'll get a little bit more into actual evidence, but, well, actually, let me jump in right now. One of the things, one of the reasons they do believe that they are angels is because of 
the book of Enoch, which is not scripture. I'm not here to claim it's scripture, uh, but it is history. And even if it's imperfect history, uh, it still is a historical book in the same way that I've read several. I've, I've said this before on several podcasts. I've read Team of Rivals, uh, the story of Abraham Lincoln and his cabinet. Uh, I've read John Adams. I love both of those books for what they tell me about the people, about the times, the information they share. I don't consider them scripture. I don't consider them as revealing uh, perfectly God's will for my life, but I do value the information they give, and the same goes for the book of Enoch. What I appreciate appreciate about some of those other sources um, besides scripture is they help us paint the picture of what the thought processes were like mm-hmm. in that time period. It's really difficult for us to look back in time and actually understand everything if we don't do it from a perspective of what was it, what was it like from the people in that time period. Yes. So all of these extra, yeah, I, I cannot, I will not stand on them and say this is exactly how it happened and this is, this is, this is truth like scripture. But I still appreciate it because it helps me get into the mindset of what uh, the people of that century were like, which can help us decipher some of the other things that are mentioned in Scripture. Yes. Now, there are some... Now, Enoch, the book of Enoch, was widely known at the time of the Bible, uh, through most of the Bible. And in fact, uh, New Testament writers quote it a few times. Uh, so it's obvious that they knew about it and they treated it like it was history too. But uh, for example, right here, Genesis 6, 1 through 2, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives whomsoever they chose. Uh, Enoch chapter 6 verse 1 and it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied and in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters and the angels the children of heaven saw and lusted after them and said to one another come let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children does that sound similar sounds similar now I'm not saying that uh Moses was quoting from the book of Enoch. I'm not even saying book of Enoch was quoting from Moses, but I'm saying if these were two separate individuals writing their own idea of what happened, uh, writing what they knew to be true, what they felt was true, uh, if if what they were writing about is correct, they're both going to have similar stories, are they not? And chapter 7, verse 1 says, And all the others together with them and took, uh, with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one, and they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. Now something else that goes on here, another piece of evidence. I, I, I don't want to use the word proof. Uh, a piece of evidence. But we talked about before where in in past Genesis podcasts, where the in the lineage of Cayenne, suddenly they had knowledge of certain things, 
and uh, certain people, uh, certain people in the lineage of Cayenne were considered to be the fathers of uh, those who crafted metal and things, things of that nature. Those who played the, mm -hmm. the flutes and those who played, yeah. And it says in Enoch, uh, these angels taught men to make swords and knives and shield and breastplates, made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and so on and so forth and things like that. So it appears, it, Enoch goes on to explain how these angels and some people call them watchers and we'll get into that a little bit later probably in further podcasts uh how this is how man gained a lot of that knowledge and specifically why it was coming through Cain's line because Cain and his families and his people were opening themselves up to this they had rejected god they had walked away and they'd opened themselves up to these types of influences which is interesting uh, they they taught us war and battle and all those kind of things, which suggests that that's not something necessarily that God wanted for us. And then later, uh, way later in Revelation, it'll talk about turning those same swords and weapons into tools to work the ground to to you know to be helpful. Um, so I find that interesting. I don't have much more to go on that, but just thought that was interesting. No, I, yeah. Um, now. Now, I'm kind of skipping around here because uh, we're kind of just focused on the sons of Elohim, and we haven't got into other verses yet. We'll get into them as, as time goes on and as we reach those verses. But just skipping around with some thoughts on my head right now is... Um, okay, so one of the other things to mention, and, and we're going to skip around a little bit. I'm going to get into these verses one at a time as we go on. But really specifically here, talking about this, the, the argument between who the sons of Elohim are, it's going to go on to talk about giants in the earth and where they came from. And so that, that in and of itself seems to me a piece of evidence because if the, the sons of Elohim are just Seth's line or Sheth's line and the daughters of man were Cain's line and they said, okay, we're going to go in unto them where do the giants come from out of that? What, how do you get giants from just human beings intermingling with human beings the way they always have throughout history? Right. How are... It doesn't make any sense to me. People just kind of just say, oh, it just happened mystically because... Because. I mean, that, that's just it. When you, end a, when you end an argument with just because, it doesn't hold much weight. It becomes a fairy tale or a myth at that point, mm -hmm. where we have we have belief that this well we we believe scripture is accurate and true, and so we can't just say just because, right? <laughs> because then that just turns it into myth or fairy tale. I personally think uh, what's happening right here is kind of what I talked about earlier. I think Satan is messing around with things. Mm -hmm. He's 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 polluting. Uh, the human bloodline with stuff that was never supposed to be there, and he's trying to create some new, new concoction of of, of his version of a human. Um, you know, just God can create humans. Well, I'm going to do the same thing, but he he can't create anything, so he's just 
messing around trying to see what he can do. I, I, that's just uh, thoughts that I have. Um, I've read some stuff that uh, they share similar opinions. Um, but once again, nothing in Scripture says that for sure. Um, mm -hmm. It's just thoughts and feelings that I have, but it, it, yeah. it is... And in fact, on that note, let me say that uh, it is evident that these angels being referred to here... Now, now Enoch goes on to explain more about it and, and such and such like that, but it is explained... The reason we keep calling these people watchers is the book of Enoch says that God placed watchers over the earth to watch, to, to give them each... Each of these had, had like a particular area to watch, and collectively they were to watch over the earth. And they're the ones who saw the, the daughters of men, and so they went down to them and, and took them wives because of the lust uh, that they had for them. These are not fallen angels who fell with Lucifer. So it is important to note that if that's what's going on, these angels did not fall with the original sin, with the original. They didn't go with Lucifer in rebellion against God. They fell later to their own lust. And once they fell and are separated from God's presence, they might be in alignment with Lucifer now, but they fell after Lucifer fell, if this is the case. This right. also makes sense because in the book of Enoch, their sons, the giants, are... Our God says you they're not going to heaven. They're unredeemable. And so they plead with Enoch, please go before God and and you know let let our sons be saved. And God says no. It's not going to happen. Now again, we're paraphrasing, we're skimming over this. My only point is uh these if they are these fallen angels, they can't be connected with Satan because those would never go back to God and say, I mean, they, they knew they were fallen. They knew they were, they, they were in direct rebellion. They're not trying to, to return in any way. Right. So that doesn't make sense that they would go to Enoch and plead for salvation for them or their families or any, in any way like that. So these are people, these are angels who fell at a later date than Satan and, and his third of all angels who went with him. Which could still be because of the temptation of Satan. Satan tempted us with mm -hmm. the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He tempted them with the lust of attractive women. You know? And it could I, be. It could be Lucifer went among them and said, check it out. Hey, mm -hmm. and put planted that and said, go for it. But again, the Bible doesn't specify that's Bible. what happened. Nope. We don't know if they just looked themselves and said that's it, or Satan led them there, Satan helped it out in some way. Uh, and we, we don't know what's going on. All we can say for sure, if it is these angels, is that it came after the fall of Lucifer. But there's something else, uh, a few other points I want to make here. One is that some will say, well... Since this calls them sons of Elohim, that can't mean angels, or that can't mean you know the fallen angels in any way, because we, humanity, we are called sons. He has taken us as sons. It would not refer to them as sons. However, uh, sons of Elohim was a common idiom at the time to refer to angelic beings, and we need to understand that. 
uh, also, sons, fathers does not necessarily mean a direct connection. Mm-hmm. So we, we mentioned in the Hebraic roots, uh, the, the, the meaning of the word sons, ban, or bane, sorry, bane. Uh, it doesn't have to be a direct connection. And we see this when Jesus talked to the Pharisees and he said, you're of your father, the devil. So did he mean the devil directly spawned them? No, he was just saying, he was telling them, you have joined your ideology to that of Satan. You uh, have, you are leaving the truth. You are actively enjoying the lie. That makes you of his line. Uh, spiritually, metaphorically, whatever you want to say, he wasn't saying they were literally birthed by Satan, you know, uh, planting his seed in a woman and, and birthing these Pharisees. Well, and in a way, we're, we have something in common with the angels and that we were all created by God. Mm-hmm. We were all a creation of God. So in a way, they are also sons of his creation just the way we were created is a little different Mm -hmm. we we are we can literally claim to be sons of god in the sense that he he breathed his spirit into us we've already discussed the Mm -hmm. the blood of yahweh all of that kind of stuff and he has made us sons he has made us heirs of salvation yep yes and but uh but we do share something in common uh, in a way, you could say they are our cousins. In a way, because uh, we were, we all, our origins all come from the same source. Mm-hmm. Another thing to consider is that the Book of Enoch is quoted in Scripture, uh, among other places. Uh, in uh, the Book of Enoch, uh, let me. I'm reviewing my notes here. First Corinthians, Paul seems to allude to an understanding drawn from the book of Enoch. Jude quotes directly from the book of Enoch. And uh, yeah, there, there, are, there are places in the scripture where they, they directly quote it, which indicates that not only did they know the book of Enoch and, and, and understand what it was talking about, but they were in agreement with what it was talking about along these lines. Something else to consider is what the sons of Elohim, Job, Job 1.6 says, Now it fell upon a day that the sons of Elohim came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Ha-Satan came also among them. So, we can see right here, the sons of Elohim is idiomatic. It's referring to angels or even fallen angels. Now, uh, it could be in this case, we, we know Satan had access to God. Even after he's kicked out, he had access to come to God. As it says right here, Satan came among them. Satan comes to God in the book of Job. And God says, have you checked out my righteous servant Job and, and Satan says, yeah, well, it wouldn't be so righteous if you didn't protect him and all of that kind of stuff. We know that story. We're not going to get into it now. It's just making reference to the fact that Satan still went before God and still made his accusations. And 
this specific verse. Now it fell upon a day that the sons of Elohim came to present them be present themselves before Yahweh. We are seeing the angelic host going before Yahweh. Does this mean that Shaith's line was going before Yahweh? How is that possible? You know, if 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 Yahweh is in a place where Hasatan is with him, if he's in heaven at his, on his on his throne wherever he is, how is it possible? We we know Adam has been kicked out of the garden. He cannot be in the presence of God, uh, or he will die. How is it possible that this could be referring? to his line going before God and presenting themselves before Yahweh in this way. It's not. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything else, Brad, to go on right now. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. And if you guys have any thoughts on the subject, feel free to send a text, uh, reply to us, let us know what you think, and present your evidence. We've presented a few pieces here. This is only the very beginning. As we get into this verse by verse, we're going we're gonna to start to touch on this a little bit more and a little bit more each time. And just, as I told my son, just one brick at a time. Just lay one brick at a time. You know, after a while, the wall builds itself. But... These are just a couple of thoughts as we start to get into this. This is a very complex issue. It is highly debated among some. Uh, I've told you my initial thoughts, but, you know, I might change my mind as we go on. I'm going to let the Bible discern itself. That's probably the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> so, Anything else you want to end up with, Brad? No, 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 but now I'm going to tell you why for five minutes. <laughs> um, really, though, no, I, I don't think so. I, I do think that this one is um, just a conversation. Uh, and I, think, I do think it would be really cool if we got more voices involved in that conversation so we could really discuss all the aspects of this. It's stuff that is in, it, it's intriguing to me. I've read quite a bit of things uh, about it from different authors and their kind of their theories and ideas of what the world looks like at this point and what's going on here. And, and it is fascinating. It's one of those things, though, we may never know in, in here on Earth, <laughs> but, uh, but someday we'll know. Someday we'll know exactly what was going on, just maybe not here. But still, it's, it's, it is fun to try to paint the picture and try to get an idea of what is going on here. And I guess the main reason why I bring it up is because going back to Jesus' statement, in the day, as, is, as in the days of Noah, shall, shall, so shall it be in the last days of men. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing it there, not saying it directly. But again, we come back to what was he talking about? Why did he say it in that way? Yeah, well, you know, if if Satan was messing around with uh, the genetics of things, you know, I mean, we have that going on today. And so, that's what I'm talking about. My, uh, I know a lot of people who say like, well, it, we're going to get into, you know, 
we've just we've already mentioned it the giants that were created mm -hmm. and if the angels these fallen angels came down started messing with uh creating a new race we're going to get deeper into that as we go what were they doing uh i have some people who say well all this means is uh they were depraved and unrighteous and hard of heart and all that kind of thing but if that's the case that's been the case of humanity throughout history why did God specify the days of Noah? And specifically during this time period, it, it, it'll, uh, we'll get to the verse eventually, but it says it grieved God mm -hmm. that he created man. So we know that we know we can grieve God, but not to a point where he had a regret. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and so something was going on during this period of time um, other than just the normal... I don't want to say normal sins. I don't want to make them seem normal, but other than just right. the normal stuff that we do now, because now we have a savior. He, he, he sent his son to us. He, he said we were worth fighting for, but during the days of Noah, for some reason we weren't worth fighting for. We had grieved him. So yeah, it'll be, I'll be interested to hear going forward your thoughts on that too, Scott. And, yeah, yeah, just sit back, people. There's an adventure coming up. There's a <laughs> <laughs> And with that, just let me say that this episode is especially the tail end of it here has kind of been sporadic and I do apologize if it seems a little what's the word? Uh non focused, non linear. But the reason is because these are confusing topics. And I don't have all the answers. And I don't claim to have all the answers. And I do not wish to claim to accidentally sound like I do. I have my leanings. But again, I go with where the evidence takes me. And I really hope and pray that you will do the same. Be honest with yourselves and, and truly see what the Bible says and, and what the Word of God is leading us towards. So with that... As always, I am Scott, and I'm Brad, and this is not about us. <laughs>